0: Go dark. And we're going to do uh, a flip flip flop podcast. I guess. How does it sound?
1: <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, I'm just like took. I took the pool house pill long ago, so I'm just what I, pool house is my spiritual guide.
0: <laughs> so you're down to do a flip flop pod? Is what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. As long as I don't like call it that. Welcome a a at low IQ boron back to here comes the backlash it's good to see you my friend thank you for having me it's been a minute there's a million things actually i do need to speak to you about because we had a great conversation last time and then we i just covered many uh, i guess let's say musical alignments perhaps and uh past trajectories in the interim it's a lot i don't know if i can unleash all of that on you here and now maybe we'll get to it because it's probably very uh inspirational but yeah welcome back
1: Thanks. Yeah. No, yeah. We kind of figured out after the fact that we were both sort of on the like what, like disco punk to dissident Twitter pipeline i guess
0: mm-hmm. by way of like body rocking 80s electro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and that's the real crux of it honestly it is weird because it probably doesn't seem like a big deal to people if i'm like oh me and a had like the same musical taste oh it's like we're spiritual brothers and people will be like no uh pool house, you're just crazy but in fact this is the thing this enterprise backlash uh, here comes the backlash being the flagship uh, of the enterprise yeah, many years ago with an essay that uh, I, I wrote, which was called The Secret History of Electro. Uh, it's only in print. It's not available online, unfortunately. But it tells the true story of how Africa Bambada got his he stole his secrets from the real visitor from outer space who is still out there. The great pharaoh of funk, he's still out there. Shout out, pharaoh. He's listening. I was commissioned at that time basically to be a knight of the body rocking electro kind of task force thought the mission was over. Turns out it's not low IQ moron. I feel like I'm meant to deputize you to be honest, but I don't think I have to. I think you are a deputized Knight of Electro.
1: Um, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it either way. I mean, whether I'm deputized or not, I ended up here and um, yeah, I'm down with the cause for sure.
0: Do you, are you familiar with the track? Uh, like it's called like Al Niafish or something. The, the soul that's like, it's time. You know that one? It's, it, it's, 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 it, it's time. It's time. It, it's time. It's
1: time. It, it, it's time. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so that, yeah, just next time you listen to that, you know, light, uh, light a little J up there, turn off lights, listen to that one, and t- trust me, you'll realize that you were a deputized knight.
1: All That's how I-, I, yeah, that was like my a uh, uh, uh big moment for me, and it did arise in that sort of old school YouTube before it was like cucked by Google or whatever. And it was always probably whatever, some deep state shit. But anyways, it used to be a lot cooler than it is now. And yeah, that that track came up on my whatever algorithm somehow. And yeah, just vibes. I don't know if it was maybe the first one, but I definitely was like, holy shit, like this is, this is something, yeah.
0: Because that power of that track... It's an electro record. I guess I should probably define this for the uh for our, our friends listening. That this is kind of what we're talking about is a style of music adjacent to early hip hop, let's say, coming out of primarily New York City, driven by the power of the 808 machine, which is just like ah, unstoppable force. Uh, tracks like Planet Rock by uh Africa Bambada. You know, some uh I, I don't know, some Cybertron, perhaps clear. You've heard these tracks. You might you don't know you've heard these tracks, but they are the basis for so much of the dance music even today that we listen to uh, it's a secret history in its ostensible sense because people don't talk about that era nearly as much although it's had its little flashes in the pan where it comes back but it's this kind of whooshing sound it's like boosh, boosh. How to describe it. That's a terrible way. Hard, it's incredible. Uh, incredible movement of music, infusion of kind of like, I don't know, gritty street kind of like urbanness and like futuristic robotic uh hyperborean techno.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great description, yeah. And that kind of like bouncy, like break beat
0: kind of. Yes, yes. I'm, the, yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with that. The whole era is fascinating to me because I think that comes out of this kind of like uh, era of New York, which is long gone. I don't think we're going back, unfortunately. It was this time where like everything is, really was melding in a very utopian way everyone kind of coming together like whites and blacks and gays and like Puerto Ricans it will never probably happen again but it happened in that time uh, on the dance floor and it was like uh incredible do you have a, do you have any other favorite tracks from that era while we're on the topic
1: there's so much music that was even influenced it like uh new order
0: confusion oh, sure. by new order um have you seen the music video for that uh that song before no i didn't even know there was one oh, we'll put it in the show notes it's a classic it's a fi- footage of like urban the, the exact era i'm describing it follows a girl like a young pizzeria employee at the family shop as she gets off of work and gets ready to go down to the fun house which is uh jelly beans club jelly bean is being the former boyfriend of madonna he's a producer from the 80s big time dj really pioneer in this kind of uh era that we're speaking of and actually one of my favorite tracks is the mexican by jellybean uh which i think is a cover of some like 70s uh rue funk type shit but it's this like great track that kind of just describes the alamo um and it's great i'm gonna link to that shit we'll put that in the show notes as well um do you believe in the power of the 808a
1: oh my god yeah it's it's a yeah definitely a gift from someone yeah some kind of superior being <laughs> it's crazy and it's still relevant i mean still in like every every like hip hop song that's on the radio it's yeah it's mm-hmm. it's everywhere
0: Although I, you may be familiar, is it true that like 808s? I guess a lot of times, probably now, it's not the actual 808. It's probably, probably a 808.
1: sample or whatever. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I wonder. I wonder how that works uh, on like kind of a metaphysical property level because as I've told um, low IQ more on this before, but like I believe that something specific in the frequency of the 808 drum machine is a kind of psychoharmonic force. I guess that is highly positive to the human. Quantum field, which I learned is, like, we have a quantum field in our hearts. It's crazy. Everyone look it up. Um, And, like, it's really good for that vibration. So, it causes good patterns or whatever. And that is why the 808 was discontinued because people realized, oh, no, those pesky Japanese, once again, doing good things for humanity, snuck the 808 out into the wild. And it still proliferates, though. I'm sure that the original samples are still, like, kind of going around to this day.
1: Yeah. Well, and I know, like, there are some people, like, uh, the Egyptian lover is, like... It will (gasps) only use the like the real, like a real like analog 808. Yeah.
0: Egyptian lava. Egyptian lava. Oh my God. Have you seen the video of Egyptian lover? Like I think it's at some arena, like in Santa Ana or some shit. And it's like, um, he's playing, he's playing 808. He has like nothing else. He's just like, he's like rocking the crowd. It's like old school. Good. Thank you for shouting out Egyptian lover. West coast needs some representation. Yeah, There you go.
1: Yeah. And I think that was his thing earlier. It was, he was actually sort of more of a DJ, but he would just like, Bust out the 808 like live in his DJ sets and just like Mm -hmm. play like a disco record or something and drop these like heavy like electronic beats over it.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Egyptian lover bless God God bless uh, Egyptian lover um, and like there's what's the one actually Dr. Dre have you seen pictures of Dr. Dre from this era so before Dr. Dre was a gangster a lot of people don't realize the world class wrecking crew was on the scene and this is like gay ass Dr. Dre he is it looks like such a fruit like it is ridiculous there are these like get ups think Electric Boogaloo this is like literally what he was literally he maybe on the soundtrack of Electric Boogaloo um, I don't know have you seen the you familiar with a uh, gay dr gray <laughs> i'm not <laughs> oh my gosh it's it's, it's you hard. have to see it to believe uh to believe it um yeah so they did yeah they took the the 808 off but they can't stop the unstoppable force of the uh the planetary rock and and the renegades of funk it, they will not be stopped africa bambada is unfortunately i think a pretender to the throne he stole up instructions and then raped little boys it turns out like did you hear about that nice. you know he's cancer terrible, terrible. I should just say that, but like, it took me a while to come to terms with it, but then I did realize he probably uh, was a villain in the story, and that that's how history goes sometimes. Uh, my goodness, I, I'm glad we caught up on that that important uh, pressing topic, which I'm sure is of great interest. It should be of great interest to our audience, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh me-
1: and Herbie Hancock had a one, right? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I, I, obviously, yeah. everyone knows it, but...
0: Bow, 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 bow that's such a good one and he's yeah, 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 performance right. from the grammys where they like do um it's like i think it's like a tribute to synthesizers it's it's wild i forget who else is in that one i will put that in the show notes too there are some fucking crazy uh the 80s that this period early 80s honestly was the peak of like uh civilization really as far as i'm concerned i don't know i think it went downhill after maybe 82 or so <laughs> i kind of agree to be honest unfortunately or maybe like sometimes i have this theory tell me what you think of this like maybe like a time bomb or something like exploded it's like some kind of experiment happened in like 1984 and like we're in like kind of like a simulation remake of history possibly as uh, like we're kind of like inside of a shelter that's kind of like a theory i had for a while that we were like inside of some kind of like simulacrum but like is our protection from like some kind of time war or just outside disaster. True or false? <laughs> uh,
1: this is this is see, this is where like I, I'm a mere disciple of Pool House. I don't even I, I'm not on that level yet.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you the instruction, the teaching is to make it up every day, a little bit different, test it out, put it on, see how it feels. Egypt, Egypt. Egypt, Egypt.
1: Give me a freaky kinky nation with the total female population. I can deal with that situation, I don't care about my reputation. Give me a freaky kinky nation with the total female population. I can deal with that situation, I don't care about my reputation.
0: talk i guess about michael hoffman uh um, i'm glad we laid the foundation a little bit with sort of a positive uh that positive force that that renegade of funk it was important to bring this the spiritual force of the 808 to the people i think almost as like a cleanser before we go into the uh to the gates of of michael hoffman i don't know yeah
1: yeah no i mean i i think there's you know possibly some connections between um What, um, maybe the 808 and electro being, um, an opposing force to some of the things that Michael Hoffman is talking about.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like you're a a hip hop fan to a degree. Like, are you familiar kind of just with like the, I guess mystical and like Masonic and mystical influences through hip hop. There's what's the one like the 99 percenters I think is one. They're like a nation of Islam thing. But even like when you think like Grandmaster Flash or whatever, like Grandmaster is a title from Freemasonry, you know? Um, And it's interesting that um, not necessarily in a conspiratorial way, I almost wonder of it as being counter-programming almost in a way of kind of reappropriating master's tools, maybe so to speak. Do you know like Kill a Priest, like um, from the Wu-Tang Clan? I was going to say, it wasn't Wu-Tang clan
1: kind of into some of that stuff yeah
0: uh, oh my gosh wu-tang clan yeah the whole 36 chambers it's based on kind of i think a fusion of the whole shaolin thing is like this eastern mysticism but i think there's a lot of western kind of uh esoteric stuff going on there also um yeah i know were you a big wu-tang fan yeah,
1: yeah. I'm weirdly, weirdly. I'm like more into like um some of this like Ghostface Killer and like ODB like specific like specific people. Yeah, more so than. But yeah, that video that you sent was crazy. Of like ODB talking about like how the government was like running the music industry and like um how you can't like say anything because of the FBI and whatever. And then who was it like RZA or something was like
0: oh FBI, CIA, we love you guys. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was Method Man, the biggest sellout of them all. So yeah. no surprise there. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. And then uh, that was, I mean, ODB, B- Big Baby Jesus, rest in peace, he did pass. Like, a, a young cat, I think, was it not on the eve of his 36th birthday? It was, like, kind of weirdly connected with the 36 chambers numerology, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Uh yeah the whole Wu-Tang thing Have, what do you think of this like government uh indus- record industry fusion theory is especially prevalent i would say in hip hop conspiracy theories so are, you, are you familiar are you in uh i'm i don't
1: really personally know much about it but i it would not surprise me at all and in fact at this point it would surprise me if there wasn't some element of that you know i mean it, even in the sense of um just kind of keep putting a limit on the types of topics that can be discussed.
0: (laughs) It's true. Yeah. I think the like conspiracy theory I heard was on Reddit maybe a long time ago, maybe like six or seven years ago. And it was like, there is was this meeting and they gathered all the industry people together and they're like, we need you to create gangster rap because we're going to start doing like Iran contra <laughs> like, and we're going to have drugs in the streets and we need to glamorize. It was like really ham-fisted, but it was kind of like, okay, it was also kind of a compelling story. So they, they did it. They're like, we need you to go out there. And so that, and there was all the pot. So before, of course, like in hip hop history, we did have a lot of, uh, you know, positive, like, Mess, social messaging, pro-social conscious messaging, from like the, the like the message by like Grandmaster Flash through to like I don't know KRS One, maybe um, Public Enemy for sure. There's a lot more uh, consciousness, I guess, um, and there was a big shift, really. I feel like to this. Glamorizing of like the hood life, which started actually honestly as social commentary. I feel like it was kind of originally like we're just talking about the realities of kind of life in like in ghetto communities, like in Compton or whatever. But it pivoted to kind of this um, fetishization or glamorization of it really quickly that we called gangster rap. And the whole theory was that that was done on purpose. The timing. Frankly, it does kind of line up with uh, Gary Webb's kind of reporting on freeway Ricky Ross, which there's a rapper who took the name Ricky Ross, which Rick Ross, which I've always thought was who turned out to be a former like prison guard or something, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So it seems like that's like the thesis, I guess, is that it's all kind of uh, intertwined and it's all kind of to you know degrade the uh, the black community, which I mean. I certainly yeah I I don't know I I don't know I just don't know I, I don't know enough about know the
1: government was bringing in the drugs to the inner cities and you That's know true. I mean, so we know that part of the equation is true it would not surprise me if there was this effort on kind of the other end of it to
0: control the narrative around it right mm-hmm. well and that gets really it does get to the crux almost of uh, the Hoffman of it all oh, in a sense which is that like the stories that we see, the stories that were told every day, not just the stories like in the movies and in like the popular literature or whatever of the day, but like literally in the songs we hear, like the way people are on TV, the actual news events, the crimes become a part of this uh, psychodrama, this kind of a ritual of control. It's it's spooky, but um, I don't know. I guess that would tie into it that the hip hop, which is degrading actually and doing it reminds me all of a sudden coming to mind, of course, would be, uh, the event, which brought us together. In fact, uh, Travis Scott's. Yeah. World. Hmm. How did you come into my, Oh my God. I almost knocked over my Kirandera. That's what I call my Mexican Coca-Cola. It's medicine. Um, I, how did you come into Michael Hoffman? Uh, like you moron. Um, online
1: basically after it just is a, it, as a sort of late stage consequence of my COVID red pill journey, basically um, fitness feelings um, was a, one of the people who was posting about these ideas. You were one of the people posting about stuff like that, which is why we asked you to come on the show and talk about it. So it was um, I guess the first event that like, I, you know, had been aware vaguely of this idea of like the satanic pedophiles and blah blah blah. There was that like documentary about you know what uh, what is it called? Like beneath the shadows or something, out mm-hmm. of shadows, maybe. Is um, it like, went on one? is it like six parts or maybe not? I don't think so. It's by this like Hollywood stunt man <laughs> who then he like says he basically um became aware of like ritual sexual abuse in hollywood and like satanic messaging in the films and stuff and wanted to speak out about it that's what the the framing of the film is but yeah
0: did this involve corey hame or one of the uh corey's go on i'll go on i'm not sure i don't even know and and uh,
1: so but at that point when i saw this i wasn't even really like sold on it i was like hmm that's kind of weird and then I guess the Travis Scott thing was the first like event that that happened where I was like hmm like that was kind of weird you know <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you think about it a little more
0: What um what about Travis Scott's Astro World uh, tragedy which ostensibly was a just, you know, run of the mill, uh, I guess, in late capitalism, I guess, with the the post-leftists, with us uh just run of the mill post-capitalist uh, incident. They're, you know, not good regulations, probably, and capitalism run amok, and they just didn't care. And people, you know, died, unfortunately. What stood out to you about the event that made you think maybe something else could possibly be going on?
1: Yeah, well, and it's one of those things where, um you know, there's no memo that was like oh, Travis Scott has a, you know, must have this satanic concert on the weekend of the Getty wedding or whatever.
0: You right, know? Right, right, right.
1: So it's like, you're never going to, you're never going to get that like hard evidence. So it's just kind of a vibes thing. But like, I guess if I were to, I mean, seeing the videos of the, like the, the, the videos that people just recorded on their phone of like what was happening. And it was just, um, Very bizarre it didn't even like um it just looked very um supernatural or something you know like it didn't um and it was just bizarre like how they were trying people were dying um and they were trying to bring there were people in the crowd like trying to get people's attention about it and like no one was listening and like um Mm -hmm just um seeing uh there were like reports of people being like injected with needles like at the show uh the oh the imagery just of the uh his his mouth being like that uh, like quite explicitly a portal to hell, and that was like the yeah, 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 yeah. into the um arena and or into you know into the concert and Mm -hmm. um and then on the stage there was also some kind of portal type imagery Mm -hmm. and um um the some kind of demon maybe or something or i I don't remember exactly but just the um i don't know the the imagery and um and then seeing the that the Getty Weddy wedding happened uh, that weekend and then seeing the photos from that as well that also kind of had this just very sinister aesthetic.
0: Mm-hmm. Not,
1: not what you typically think of as a... a I don't know like a sort of joyful um innocent celebration that a wedding typically is I guess. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um and had, had you been like reading so had you been reading Hoffman like around that the time of that as no, well?
1: No, I hadn't. So I had I okay. had just kind of seen some Twitter like mm-hmm. discourse about it and um and just I don't know like you know yeah, that was just the first thing where, and then now it's like you can look back and there were moments, like I, I, I've seen clips now of like um, old um, opening shows for the Olympics, right? Oof. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I remember watching those at the time, like I don't know when it was like 2012 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and watching that and like seeing it and being like, Hmm, this is weird. Like, why is this what they like chose to open the Olympics with? You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was maybe a giant like skeleton type figure connected to a bunch of children in, in like masks and hospital beds from, like, I'm going off memory here from a video I saw not too long ago, but it was something quite horrific. Right. It felt weird uh, to, yeah, to me as well. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing that and kind of have not
1: really giving it much thought, but just having that sort of casual thought of like, oh, this is like weird, you know, just like a mm-hmm. thing to witness. But mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know. And it just kind of like, obviously, um, eh, I had I had done uh, by that point, like a lot of thorough research on more traditional, whatever, parapolitical um, mm-hmm. you know, conspiracy theory oh, yeah. stuff. And had come to see that clearly, you know, the government or the powers that be, whatever, are capable of doing horrific things um, that I previously never thought imaginable. So I, I, I wouldn't say that I was just absolutely convinced of some kind of satanic cabal, but my mind was in a
0: place where I would...
1: Entertain the notion and <laughs>
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, there's this like, uh, there is like this ostensible veneer to things to a point, right? But then you're talking about the performance at the Olympics in 2012, for example, and even then, yeah, it's starting to become gradually more kind of sinister and. Off the vibes are off, you know, and then yes, the tra- astro world stuff it, with a hell mouth that you walk through, and it was like it was a lot. And uh, there's a clip I remember, it's like uh, Travis Scott, like up on this like kind of pedestal, sort of, and he's like singing in this like disembodied auto tune. And it was like just very, it was eerie, it was uncanny, kind of. It was just, and it was people were screaming for help, and it's like, what is going on? And nothing happened from that. Maybe they paid some fines, I, I don't know, maybe settled some suits out of court, who knows. But even if it was, um, let's just say nothing or no nothing weird there it was just terrible oversight what a horrific abject thing to like go through it's demoralizing you know and that is kind of the point in some ways maybe this kind of extra layer of satanism on top of it is just like kind of like icing on top you know because it's um it is demoralizing um i don't know well and it and yeah like it it's just i guess that's like i'm so
1: black-pilled on how the media works right and you know that There's just this rotating cycle of stories and um, they all um, have some purpose in larger, longer running narratives, you know, and Mm -hmm. then and then like you're saying, the event just kind of runs its course. Oh, it was in the news for a couple of days or whatever. And then, boom, it just moves on forgotten. No one's held accountable. No one even remembers or
0: talks about it
1: after that, you know.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Some folks may question, like, "Hey, like, what would be the point of a ritual at something like the Olympic ceremony, or how would Travis Scott Astro World, whatever, be a ritual?" And I think it's important to remember that all arts and performing are deeply rooted in literally kind of a occult tradition. Like, it goes back to these kind of ancient kind of things they call the mysteries or whatever. These mystery school traditions is the the Western term for them. Um, kind of initiatic rituals in Egypt and Hellenistic uh, kind of Greek, all over the the Bronze Age, really. And there are kind of these the, the basis of a lot of performing arts. There's there's masks, there's ceremony, there's um, tricks of art, you know, kind of like special effects, essentially. And their point is to kind of, I mean, we don't know a lot about, actually about what happened uh, at most of them, to be honest, but there are definitely elements that uh, get carried down. And that's the basis of it. But you see it again, the tradition of this thing called the mask, which is like a performance, but that's kind of drawing on that imagery of like these like strange performances, uh, these recreations of reality, the going through the emotions of things. And I think this notion that, there's almost like a hypnotic effect on this hypnosis really is the basis or the kind of linchpin of like the Hoffman kind of school of thought in a lot of ways is that this is all reinforcing and invoking, um, what you might call state statecraft, I guess, really, in a sense on the on one end of things, or you might call hypnosis on the other end of the spectrum, but it's the same thing. And it's this kind of like reinforcing of our understanding and perception of the world so that in some ways it doesn't come apart and we have a shared reality, but it can also be bent in a certain way to, uh, you know, direct will, I guess, it kind of vet, bring people under the will of the, the government or the state or whoever, the priesthood, whoever might be running the the society at that given time. And I think that when you think of it that way, it's like, okay, then even these kind of innocuous seeming things like a um, other kind of almost subliminal effect that we aren't really considering because those processes are almost like so ingrained, you know, in us through just living in society. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. And I mean, that's the,
1: the thing. It's like, it's like, you have to take a step back to see how weird and fucked up it is. Like, because it just seems so normal. It's just, Oh yeah. Some like weird, like fucked up concert where like, you know, there's no bathrooms and like everyone's on crazy drugs and whatever, you know? And, um and it's just sort of, you have all this background context that gives it a, place that seems totally normal. And it's not until you can have that little bit of perspective
0: where you're like, wait a second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important actually to look at it at each kind of level of things in a sense, just like, why was this not a properly run festival for such a big name with so much money. And especially within the context of what was going on at the time, which is like COVID, this is like the concert industry kind of coming back. There was weird things going on at the labor market that I still have not been, I still don't understand what's really going on. People are missing. Is what the first thinking. person to, bring that up. And I
1: also have never been able to make sense of the way COVID affected the
0: labor market. People are missing. Well, okay. The one thing I can say is that maybe an increase in like just disability claims could be a factor that is unspoken, but it just didn't make sense. Everyone's like, they were so happy with their unemployment, but I was like that even after that discontinued, it didn't correct. Even to this day, I'm in a big city. Things don't Open in the same hours they used to. I mean, I've stopped at places on like I eighty, a huge interstate near the capital of California, where the bathrooms are closed and the gas stations locked. At like nine o'clock p.m., they're like, "Sorry, we have no sh- like no one to cover for this hour." The Chevron, like that's unheard of three years ago. You know, where did those people go? Yeah, I have zero answer
1: as to that, but I just thought it was interesting because (laughs) I've always thought this and I've even brought it up like with just kind of normies or whoever and, and, you know, they'll be like, oh, I don't know. Or just kind of repeat whatever the explanation from the Mm -hmm. news was, but it just never made sense to me.
0: No, and everyone has like a real politically biased answer. It's either they're taking the unemployment or like nobody wants to work anymore or like it's COVID and everyone's like being safe. Everyone has some bullshit answer that does not actually pass the spell test like and i'm no economist but it, nothing about it has made sense to me honestly it is it actually is related in a sense we should think about astro world on these kind of different levels and all these things because astro is one example hoffman goes into a whole litany of lone wolf well a lot of primes essentially every spectacle that a news event that we see on tv through the hoffman and i should say james shelby downard who is his kind of mentor who is the forerunner of all this kind of uh analysis or way of thinking um they see it all as as part of this like a grander ritual or kind of a grander hypnosis um down to these fine details you know what do you think of like they call it mystical toponymy, where they like pick apart just the names and the places and kind of start to extract uh symbolic meaning from what would not to most people be considered relevant have you gotten caught up in any of that not well so i um i just
1: started reading secret uh societies and psychological warfare so that's my only exposure to um michael hoffman um other than some clips and stuff of i've seen of him but um so i do know what you're talking about i think like with stuff like um you know the jfk assassination being like on the 33rd parallel and, mm-hmm. that, and mm-hmm. then like masonic um Lodges also being like on that paint, uh, parallel, and just yeah, that like numerology kind of stuff,
0: mm-hmm, like
1: mm-hmm. place, and I guess with other symbolic dimensions.
0: Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah like um, Kennedy's last name, apparently it means wounded head in Gaelic or something like that. And it does. So the 33rd parallel part, it, this whole downward idea of all these events happening on the 33rd parallel are part of a grander ritual. So it's not just KFK. It's like the atomic test in downwards kind of vision and Hoffman's, I guess, it, school of thought. They um, identify three rituals that have happened. They're important to these like alchemical wizards running our society. And they never describe it quite that way. I feel like Michael Hoffman's really good at kind of writing in a way that doesn't seem um, <laughs> that crazy until you start to like really like put the two, the two together. He has a very uh, eruditious manner. <laughs> um, they have these like idea of these rituals, and one of them is called the primordial destruction of matter or whatever. And that's like this idea of like kind of man uh, taking control of reality and like literally ripping apart the spiritual and the physical essence, really. But that would be the. Um, atomic tests they're saying that they basically the atomic trinity test site does have some symbolic power they go into a whole analysis there of all of these just little things that kind of point to that not just having been a a ritual but like a significant ritual for this purpose of separating these elements and essentially kind of opening like the- The doors of reality in a new way because now we have this control and then the second one being the killing of the king which is uh jfk It, it ties back to kind of this like kabbalistic theory of kind of like uh controlling the like energy that's released at the beginning of creation so the one, the one ritual would be like kind of like the spark of creation and now they're kind of harnessing it and then the third one being this like making manifest of all things hidden which is kind of like an externalization of all these like weird little Games they're playing, they're going to bring it out into the open, and in the process, reveal their methods. And so, I kind of almost wonder: is there like a third? Is there a third event we should be looking for on the thirty-third parallel? You know. Oh, interesting. But it is weird because there's this movie coming out this summer from uh Wes Anderson that takes place like kind of in like it looks like a little uh Route 66 town which 66 is not on the 33rd parallel but uh we're getting close enough to this this little uh area I guess And it is involving it looks like atomic tests maybe I saw some some blasts and then we also have Oppenheimer this summer uh coming out I believe which is about the founder of the atomic bomb there's a very nerdy and uh, Hoffmanian summer uh blockbuster season for us I guess started
1: to to read Hoffman. i didn't know what to expect i guess but um no it was not what i expected i mean it was but (laughs) i sound so low iq right now but um but like i i thought it was interesting because it made me feel uncomfortable which I just I I don't know, I don't usually have that reaction when I'm reading
0: something. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: like I um I read uh you know The Devil's Chessboard, this like very long book about like the CIA and Alan Dulles and like all you know, everything they got up to, JFK and and you know, reading like lots of like horrible things, you know, and it was I I didn't have an issue with it then with this what like as much as i consider myself now like an ex lib or a reformed lib like that um intellectual or ideological environment is like what i grew up in and and <laughs> it's you know even like in my post red pill kind of understanding of things i think Nonetheless, there is that residual sort of lens that colors the way that you see things. Mm-hmm. And um, Hoffman seems to, I guess, pretty explicitly like, um, I don't know, he portrays kind of liberalism. in a, it, And then maybe, the, I don't know if I'm coming into it with my own baggage or what, but that was kind of my take on it was that he sort of traces almost this sort of like progressive um ideology back to these enlightenment era secret societies mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that that underpin these like occult rituals or whatever and mm-hmm. um, you know he talks about things that are kind of liberal like um shibboleths like um abortion which like i'm not like a super uh, you know i i I don't know what I think about abortion. I think it should be legal probably. I don't think it's like should be like something that's as celebrated in the culture or whatever, but he, you know, really kind of goes after that as uh, you know um, something that's, that's deeply kind of, um, sick in the society or something (laughs) no Uh, and and many examples like that um so and it's he's not even going in depth on these topics he just (laughs) kind of addresses them right and kind of frames it in his his like framework and then just moves on but this was like i don't know for whatever reason i just found it kind of like hard to stomach
0: well because he's shanking viewed it's a drive-by shanking is his right he like literally like he's ruthless with his head 2006 I think is around when I got uh really got into like Hoffman specifically um and I do remember exactly because I was also like we're never going to shed all the uh DNA of the liberal li- liberalisms nor necessarily do we need to I guess that's a, a separate argument but I know what you mean yeah it, and even though I kind of thought of myself as like a badass uh it was still like taking the Hoffman pill was not like, it wasn't taking the Michael Savage pill. It wasn't like just like Rush Limbaugh, like kind of ha ha LOL, like GOP conservatism. It was like, he's like a traditionalist. And he's coming at it from an outside of that kind of perspective of, uh, or paradigm of of liberalism or Marxism, uh, which are the, which is usually what you see as like kind of the counterpoint. If you see anything to, to liberalism, he has a lot of that effort of them both. I, I know exactly what you mean. It's things to read. It's hard and it's, Interesting though, because it's powerful. I think it can be very blackbilling too. It's powerful jargon. He writes very well and not, and that, not that no one should read it. I think he's appropriately shadow banned, I guess, in a sense, because it's like, no one should just be coming at this, um, with their guard down.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's what I was going to say too, is like, I always try. I, I mean, I've always been a skeptical person and, um, I've all I've never been like a super ideological person like I always felt like I never knew what my genuine opinion was because I could see the arguments for all sides and I could analyze for something like oh if you want to make this case what would you say to argue that you know and so that was so anyways, I came into this as I do with all everything I I read but especially now in this sort of whatever post-covid red pill environment. I read something not just going into the attitude of like, oh, I'm going to believe everything that this book says, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going to to take it in and try to understand it and Um, hopefully even if I don't agree with anything there's some like lessons that you can take
0: away from it you know That's mm-hmm. well said it tells me that your fluoride filter is working my friend <laughs> so, you know, it's the right way to go uh, I feel maybe we could talk a little bit about like just we kind of talked about this a little bit before off the air like I feel like that's a thing podcasters like love to do This before we came on the air that's not the kind of podcast this is a very inclusive podcast our listeners are with us right now I believe that they're not listeners they're remote viewers and they are here with us in spirit at the moment so I don't like this whole off the air business but we, we did talk a little bit here about some of this disclosure everybody you weren't here <laughs> we were talking about i guess like uh you, what, you asked me a question it's kind of like what the fuck are we gonna do about all this We're like taking these like serious drugs called the red pill and whatnot the pool house pill the hoffman pill they get progressively stronger and more twisted what do we do with it once we're in this uh new pharmaceutically induced state of uh of consciousness um i don't know i guess I'll put it back to you actually, because I answered you off the air first. What do you think we should do, uh, low IQ moron? Well,
1: I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> but well, I do have an answer. But I, I, I mean, that's partly why I want to read this book is to maybe try and figure that out. But um, I like that certain people like. I don't know if you read any Illich, but um talks i mean he's again framing the problem in a different way but similar ish problems with industrial society and all that but he's very good about like giving like practical like solutions and um and so i always appreciate that with some with uh, when someone offers a solution along with their critique so i will attempt to do that Uh i think that um that I don't know, and actually, I'm just sort of copying this from Fitness Feelings on your own program, where he kind of talked about where, uh, yeah. uh like any kind of trying to incorporate things into your life that give you like a fighting spirit.
0: Ooh, you know? yeah, 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 that's worth repeating.
1: Yeah, and I do not mean this in a, any kind of violent sense. I'm parody, it. but um yeah just that gives you that feeling of being powerful and that you have self-determination over your life and um and Mm -hmm. that you can you just um fun and fun in real life with people that you love and care about
0: This is from King Kill 33, which is like this really fucking great essay. So I came to Hoffman originally through James Shelby Downard. He's a madman. He's just this like, he's a kook. He was an old man, I think, even in the 70s. Um, and I think James Shelby Downard, I bl- believe Adam Parfray, who I think is the founder of Feral House Publishing and somebody else, they all were kind of like disciples of this like crank basically but a really eloquent uh uh elegant maybe crank i guess who had had all these tall tales seemed to know all this secrets of freemasonry and these secrets of american history um and they kind of studied they were under his tutelage i guess for a bit um hoffman and uh mr shelby downer put together an essay he was kind of i think a little bit disorganized maybe a little bit kind of schizo like legit and so but like um yeah hoffman kind of helped him because Hoffman clearly is a methed out freak let's just be real this man is a maniac probably
1: yeah
0: prolific faggot let's just call it prolific faggot michael a hoffman there if i say that will people stop calling me a nazi for being a reader jesus anyway Uh, we um, should talk about
1: that too
0: we should yeah okay uh she'll be down so he's a crane great so hoffman is like hey let's let's get this together i don't know exactly the genesis of the story but they put together this essay uh, one of them is King Kill 33, which is this like long kind of uh, PDF you can find. Well, you can't find the PDF now. You should order it from Michael Hoffman. Let's let's be fair. Buy it from that meth out freak, uh, Michael Hoffman. He needs the meth money. Uh, <laughs> so I hope they don't get sued. I, I say this in uh, Mr. Hoffman. I, I hope he'll come on the program still. Um, he did this essay, right? King Kill 33. It goes into like JFK and there's their whole like mystical toponymy kind of notion is introduced there. But there is also this essay in this book. It's called uh, Apocalypse Culture. It's like um, a compilation of really wild essays. This book fucking fucked me up. This book changed my life. I got it at the wrong time. Let me tell you, the Bush years were... The schizo years for old pool house. There's like letters from like legitimate schizos that like kept me up at night. It's like these letters to the editor that like were received like literally from actual schizophrenics, which, who, there's a whole essay on cereal that freaked me out. Okay. So there's an essay in here that is the whole thing of Wilhelm Reich. That's actually, this is, the, this is where I actually remember first learning about Mr. or Dr. Reich. Shelby Downard and Hoffman put an essay in here called called the chaos. And it kind of is like an overview of his kind of philosophy, but Downard is a way more, um, Folksy writer, I guess he kind of comes across like as a Mark Twain figure almost. And he's writing in this perspective of in this old grandpa way, which I got ChatGPT to kind of start emulating. I, I make it talk like a man named Buzzy, who's an 82 year old retired naval intelligence conspiracy theorist, and it will sometimes give me better answers if it answers as <laughs> Buzzy. Um, <laughs> anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Shelley Downer wrote this uh, piece. It kind of goes into the whole thing. It's it's a little bit more soothing in the sense that it's like funny and cute, kind of or like uh, wacky writing. It really is powerful because he does it in such a short and concise way, too, where Hoffman is he's not verbose, but he just covers so much like the the text is very dense. There's a lot in it. So James Shelby Downard actually has a prescription, I believe. And he um, he basically talks about what we were kind of mentioning before, like this thing called uh the making of manifest of all that is hidden and that's his third law of alchemy he says that these people are alchemists that their kind of notion is that they're using their alchemical processes to uh basically transform or transmute humankind through kind of this spiritual hypnosis right so he says that uh the accomplishment of the third law that's the the making of manifest all things hidden uh is not yet fulfilled or at least not completed, uh, but the other two have been right. That's or creation and destruction, I guess, of primordial matter. That's the detonation of the atomic bomb, and then the uh, the killing of the king. He says only in the repetition of information presented uh, in that in his piece, in conjunction with the knowledge of this mechanism, the the mechanisms of these alchemical processes, only in conjunction with the knowledge of these processes will provide the sort of boldness and will, which can demonstrate that we are aware of all enemies, all opponents, all tricks and gadgetry, and yet we are still not dissuaded, that we will work for the truth, for the sake of the truth, and let the rest take upon themselves and their children the consequences of their actions." So kind of like a challenge. I think he's kind of basically saying, like, we need to proliferate this information uh, in a sense to get people aware and on our side. Uh, But I also think Hoffman kind of counters that with a little bit of saying, like, we can't just like spew this out. uh, Literally, I guess it's not going to be very effective to do it in that sense. And so I feel like there is some sort of hybrid there where we we have to kind of emulate these tools and find a way to kind of like. Hypnotize our friends and family into being red pilled, I guess, uh, which is is tricky. But I think there, there does need to be a proliferation of this information, but there is a huge risk in just I think literally repeating it uh word for word, you know. Yeah. It's it's tricky. I mean, I've I've observed firsthand
1: that you the direct approach, um well, it, it has worked, um, but it <laughs> uh, um but Not in most cases. (laughs) Uh,
0: Totally. What's also hard, all of this is instrumented, just make you sound crazy, right? If you try to tell any of this to anybody who's not really like, really with it, like they're going to think You're totally nuts. And so. Well, and
1: that's something else that I guess is related, but that's, I wanted to talk about is like, literally. If you search Michael A Hoffman, the second, which is like what he, he he goes by. Um, it's like thousands of pages of just like websites and articles accusing him of being a Holocaust denier. So like, if you want to look into this person, that's the, you know, and so any normie who, if they hear this and look it up, they're going to be like, Oh my God. Like, what? and then think you're crazy for bringing them up. Right. And that, exactly. you know,
0: <laughs> they will call you a Nazi. Literally, I guess if you are not careful, I mean,
1: I am Jewish. For the record, my grandmother, Jewish grandma, both my grandparents escaped from Nazi Germany. You know, um, I don't (laughs) deny that the Holocaust occurred. Actually, Michael Hoffman does not deny that the Holocaust Holocaust. occurred.
0: And the entire invention of Holocaust denier is a mechanism of smear. I don't want to say there's no such thing as anti-Semitism. That's obviously not true, but uh, that, Claim much like other claims that we see, anti-vaxxer, transphobic, racist. These claims get used, recycled, and and repurposed against their original kind of intent or kind of like the spirit of what we think that they mean. And so it's like super uh, rude, first of all, just to call people Nazis, especially someone like myself. And so I did. Yes, I called. my only time network in the group chat but it was important to it wasn't that important that's not even why i called you i I wanted to talk to you about this because i think uh you know you posted actually i the reason i wanted to talk to you about this let's talk about your tweet for a second did you have a dream that you saw masonic symbols like everywhere and you were super fucking angry
1: (laughs) i I had that dream yeah it was kind of it was like in the morning as i was like kind of waking up or whatever but yeah i was like it was just like me walking around. Um, I don't even, it wasn't in my sort of some kind of urban whatever city just seeing, yeah. Like, you know what, like the pyramid and the all seeing eye, Mm -hmm. um, you know, whatever. And on the bus, there was an ad that had whatever, like, 33 or whatever you know i don't even remember it wasn't <laughs> that specific yeah, 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 for sure. but like just like kind of everywhere i looked i was like um seeing it and i and
0: i just started to get like angry yeah uh i okay do you notice that you see um like those symbols more often now do you see uh and they're everywhere in our society actually specifically like what about freemason like actual buildings not like tv ads and stuff but like do you notice some like IRL, like just happenstance. Yes. I, I always noticed them. Yeah. Actually. yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? I remember like a period where all of a sudden I started, I guess, when I was like in my early twenties and started really looking into this. And like, I felt like I felt creeped out by it actually. Cause it was like, we fucking shit, they're everywhere. <laughs> I had not noticed them. And you always
1: um, heard about, or at least I did, like all the Freemas or all the uh, founding fathers were Freemasons. Sure, is, yeah, you
0: know? My grandfather was, I guess, a Freemason. I don't know. I didn't know that until right before he died, actually. It was really surprising because they are pretty secretive about certain things. Um, or independent order of odd fellows is a real trip. It's kind of like Shriners, I guess, but they I don't know. I didn't know much about them. I just I'd seen them. They're everywhere. I've been in like very small rural towns that has a, a a hall for odd fellows. And I guess they're tied to some really wacky YouTube conspiracy theories. I was watching about uh smuggling orphans across the country to build railroads or or, or no, yeah, it was cabbage patch. The odd fellows at all, yeah. The odd fellows, keep your eyes peeled. Well, okay, so their logo, so it kind of makes the little like six-pointed star. It has that G with a G, is that logo, but it's three rings around the bottom part, I guess, around the compass piece of it, like or the connection, I guess they're also like they like they're based around helping orphans. Their whole thing was educating young children without parents, no families. So very noble uh, of an enterprise of them. You know, that just actually reminded me. The other time I felt as uncomfortable uh, as I did reading Hoffman, the only other time really, and it was fairly recently, like I guess a year and a half ago, um, Program to Kill, <laughs> that book kind oh. of like gave me that feeling. And I wonder, did that, did that make you feel the same level or not as bad?
1: <laughs> I actually haven't read it. I just off-sourced it to, as I mentioned, <laughs> I'm a pretty slow reader. Uh, I read about things. I don't like read things like that often if that makes sense. But um, yeah, no, like I, I kind of outsource that to Q and he read it. But it's something that I've seen a lot of people say who have read it that it's just very disturbing and and hard to get through.
0: It, it really is. And I think it's bad enough on its face. It's revolting because it's graphic crimes, crimes against like, children and such. But like knowing what I had read from Hoffman, these things and like in conjunction, it's like, oh, grody. It's just like too much in some ways. I've read like sections of Program to Kill. But I've not read it like cover to cover. It is uh, too much for me. And it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's grisly. And it's also. Yeah, it's just it's a lot uh, at this time i feel like I, I asked you the dumbest like fucking most retarded questions last time i feel like i owe it to you to ask one retarded question i think what,
1: your questions were good i just didn't have good answers <laughs> you
0: no know, i left one retarded question and i know i cut at least one out it was like what's a good song on wednesday morning when you're like sad it's so bad it was like a ridiculous the things you think this retarded program is retarded people the things that don't make it on the air um what do you think give me a prediction for the summer actually
1: yeah well i i have a good feeling for this summer. Um, I, I we, uh, I didn't know how to feel about this year because my. I, I always say like I, I remember um, feeling like at New Year's 2020, I felt very optimistic. <laughs> I was like, thought mm-hmm. everything was like heading in the right direction. So my mm-hmm. intuition hasn't always been right, which brings me to 2023. I didn't really have an intuition or, like, no, but uh, multiple people, like, uh, I think KB, I think you, and then since then, like, um, other people I've met in real life have expressed that they feel, like, good energy for 2023. And I do, I want to manifest that it will be healing and, like yeah just joyful and kind of maybe a, a rebound of some of the things that were lacking from the previous years um mm-hmm. and i think it's an opportunity for people like us because i think we're kind of um maybe in like the the eye of the storm or like the quiet between psyops and uh uh-huh. or like major ones <laughs> at least
0: uh, uh, yeah 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 well yeah. But keep your eyes peeled, because as we know, the clues, as is part of the uh, the revelation of the method, the clues are always kind of being um, laced about. They're, it's both predictive and regressive revelations. So keep your eyes peeled. Look, on to, look to that 33rd parallel, maybe. I, Yeah, well, I was going to say, I was skitzing out a little bit over here. I was like,
1: was COVID some aspect of like revelation of the method? And like, I was like, well, I w- couldn't think of any connection to the 33rd parallel other than then possibly wasn't that like ralph barrick guy or like one of the labs like Nah like mm-hmm. dark labs supposed to be like in north carolina or
0: so. unc chapel hill yeah. uh, i think chapel hill. yeah it's it's in raleigh i believe uh that's uh eco health alliance i think well that's another yeah. lab but they partner with that school because that school does a lot of the virology i believe so is that is i don't know my parallels so but <laughs> if that is on it uh is that on it I don't know. That's just
1: my, my armchair right now. It just occurred to me.
0: <laughs> I mean, there is a lot with... Well, I guess there's a lot with Corona. I've seen people write about Corona and sun and Corona and heart. I feel like there's definitely some kind of symbolism with like the... I don't know, like I have this whole theory about like the, the fascists, like the actual symbol of fascism is like this bundle of like spikes, a bundle of blades. And it kind of correlates to me to like a, a spike protein, like a, a a virus, you know, there's definitely, there, I will tell you this, the worst, if there is a cryptocracy, if there are dark sorcerers on this planet, the worst of them are virologists. Let me tell you, they are awful. They are lying about everything they know. Viruses are not organic from this planet. They are dark biosphere matter. I can get into it another time. They were brought here from uh, someplace else. They're not good. And uh, I rest my case. They with- are weird. And I remember even
1: in the science class, you know, they'd be like, or biology, you know, they'd be like, they're, we can't like decide if they're like living or not. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Reverse yeah. transcriptase, like nothing in evolution and creation is going to reverse. Like, it's like this reverse antimatter decay process. Like, no, that's not naturally occurring it's not even this new obviously that's new it's alien um i don't know i don't know i'm not enough to uh, i can say enough to embarrass myself because i don't know enough uh, about biology and virology i guess but i can tell you and i'm not like a viruses aren't real person I'm, I'm the opposite i'm saying they're real and they're lying about what they are that's my that's my thing about everything actually that's my thinking about like aids that's my thing about covid everything is true it's not fake it's true it's just they're lying about what it is i don't know um I now hereby declare you a uh, deputized member of the uh, planetary rocking force of Electro Knights. More of a formality because you have actually been deputized all along, but it's it's good to just give you a a nice uh, pronouncement. Sir Lord Low IQ Moron, where can people find you online?
1: I'm just at Low IQ Moron on Twitter. Um, and I do the Thoughts and Prayers podcast with my co-host, Q. Indeed. Shout, Shout out Q. Yeah.
0: Thoughts and Prayers. You all are listening already. Shout out to St. Q92. I do you know, another backlash. Adam, as I like to say, I guess. I don't ever, I've never said that before. Um, but anyway, the whole point being that it's great to have you here. Once again, my friend, I um, enjoyed our conversation we're going to start a little, I think, a little task force. I think I, I mentioned, we're going to start a little uh, revelation of the method task force. So we will um, perhaps get into some more types of conversations like this in the future. Do you have a closing message for the people? Uh,
1: well, yeah, this is all just another thing to look forward to in 2023. The pleasure is all mine. And uh, yeah, can't wait till
0: uh, yeah, we reach it again. <laughs> I, well, P.S. One p- postscript. When you said you had a good intuition about 2020, it ostensibly was not a great year. There was like a pandemic and stuff, but maybe like you were intuiting the like changes, the shifts, the momentous shifts that were to come to bring you like into a higher vibration and uh stimulate your quantum field within. Like maybe you were, you were sensing that. So it did g- lead, genuinely lead to
1: a significant shift and I would argue expansion of my consciousness. So yeah, that's
0: maybe a positive spin on it it's not always it's not always an easy road people but it's a it's a road and you're just gonna you're gonna keep on keeping on on it